We're going to go to the book of Job, chapter number 6. Job chapter number 6. Actually, actually going to preach Job chapter 6 and Job chapter 7 tonight. Just looking around to see who's excited about that. It shouldn't take a whole long time. We ought to be out of here sometime tonight. So, <clears throat> no. I want to read just a few verses out of chapter number 6. I and mean, we are going to look at chapter 6 and 7. Well, because they, they, just got, they go right together. We're talking about the faith of Job. The faith of Job. Um, boy, he went through a lot. No doubt about it. But just, just stayed true to God. Just, just held on to God through it all. And uh, I think we can learn some things tonight that will help us uh, right here in the book of Job. Job chapter 6. Look down to verse number 21. Job chapter 6, verse number 21. We're going to back up to the first part of the chapter as we get into the message, but this kind of says what uh, this kind of says what it's all going to be about. Truly, Job chapter six, verse twenty-one. The Bible says, "For now ye are nothing. You see, my casting down and are afraid. Did I say, bring unto me, or give a reward for me of your substance, or deliver me from the enemy's hand, or redeem me from the hand of the mighty?" Teach me, and I will hold my tongue, and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words. But what doth your arguing reprove? We remember last week we uh, were looking at chapter number 5, and uh, Eliphaz, his good friend, uh, pretty much just reproved him, rebuked him, and told him he must be a wicked, vile sinner to have to be going through all of these things. And it's like Job says, and this is the title of the message, what? Because Eliphaz missed the mark. He did. And I think we can learn from that. Uh, Let's pray, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, one last time, we just ask for your guidance and power and blessing upon this message as only you can give it. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please do be seated. Although Eliphaz was to comfort Job, his attempt quickly turned into blame and correction. And very seemingly, although it was Eliphaz doing the talking, Job saw that the two other friends, two other friends that were there, were riding on the same bandwagon, and they were in full agreement with what had been said by Eliphaz. Uh, They all assumed that Job's suffering was caused by sin in his life, and that since the cause of the suffering was so very terrible, or the the, the suffering was so very terrible, in their eyes, the sin was supposedly um, the sin that he was supposedly in must be very, very bad. They thought, man, this must be bad sin. Look at everything that happened to Job. He lost all his substance. He lost his family. His wife has turned on him. I mean, Job's sin must be terrible. 
And the things that Eliphaz had said were very cruel. They were very unsympathetic in Job's opinion, and truly they were. If you've read this and you understand that that this friend that had come to comfort his friend, uh, he didn't come across so good. I mean, he had he had said some pretty rough things. There wasn't any comfort in his words, and there wasn't anything there to make Job understand what had happened in his life. I mean, he was looking for comfort. He was looking for counsel. But it was like pouring salt into the wounds. It really just made things seem worse. And with no further light whatsoever on why such a terrible thing had happened to him, Job continued to scratch his head about uh, what uh, scratch his head concerning what this what had all happened in his life. I mean, we have to remember this. Job didn't know what was going on. Come on, he was perfect. He was upright. Certainly, certainly, no, no, I mean, he wasn't perfect in the sense that he wasn't a sinner. Job was a sinner, but he was living his life right. He was doing the right things. He was sacrificing unto God. He was praying over his children. I mean, God said that he was a perfect and upright man, that he, he, he fled from evil. And so, I mean, Job, he doesn't know what's going on. And so, in chapters number 6, chapter number 7, we see the response of Job to Eliphaz about the condemnation and advice, if you will, that he has just received. And he starts out, he starts out with saying, hey, there's a reason. There's a reason for my complaining. Okay. Let me ask you a question here, then, everybody that's here, and anybody that might be watching. Is there anyone in here that has never one time complained about anything? I'm watching. We're all susceptible to complain about something, whatever the case may be. We're we're all susceptible to that, and so was Job. He was too. And you have to think about this. He had poured out his heart to these guys. I mean, he probably expected them to at least be a little empathetic with him. If not sympathetic, at least empathetic with him. And we know that wasn't the case. And so his response to all of that, it started out with him defending his complaining. He wanted to make it very clear to them why he felt he had a right to complain. So he begins by talking about the weight of his suffering. See, in in Job's eyes, his grieving was equal to the weight of the tragedy. Look at verse number number 2 there in chapter number 6. Verse 1 says, But Job answered and said this, Oh, that my grief were truly weighed. And my calamity laid in the balances together. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words are swallowed up. So he was convinced that what he had poured out to his friends, it matched the depth of his despair. What he was suffering, what he had gone through. Look on at verse number 4. It says, For the arrows of the Almighty are within me, the poison whereof drinketh up my spirit, the terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. Doth the wild ass bray when he hath grass, or loweth the ox over his fodder? So it's like Job was saying, hey, hey, listen guys, 
Listen up. If you had been through everything that I've been through, you'd feel the same way I do. If you had suffered this, you'd lost your children, you'd lost your goods, you lost everything you had, your wife was this evil world just wishing you would die, you would feel this way also. And then he goes on to talk about the severity of the trial, and certainly we can all agree to that. But verse number 6 there says, uh, can, can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? The things that my soul refused to touch uh, are as my sorrowful meat. And so what he had faced, please stay with me, what he had faced and the things that, he, that uh, had happened in his life through the tragic time that, that he had gone through had brought Job to a time where he truly had lost his ability to see any reason to go on. I've lost my riches. I've lost my, I've lost my, my children. My wife doesn't care anything about me anymore. I've lost my health. What good is it? No, come on, that's what he's feeling. I mean, this is this is this is this is this is a and we can we can try to imagine it, but but it's like, why should I even try? What what he had been through, it stirred some things inside of him that he never dreamed that he would have to deal with in his life. I mean, you can't, can't imagine. Uh, mercy, even his brother Mike, his, his, his soul winning challenge and the story and all that thing. Can you imagine your house burns to the ground and you lose all your kids and everything is gone? And can you just imagine what you would be feeling like? I think we'd be feeling somewhat like this. There was a feeling, uh, there was a feeling of helplessness in his life. He just felt helpless. What do I do now? Where do I go now? Where do I turn now? Look at verse number 8 there. It says, Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that He would let loose His hand and cut me off. Then should I yet have comfort, yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Let Him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong uh, my life? Is my strength the strength of stones or my flesh of brass? Is not my help in me? And is wisdom driven quite from me? Job had convinced himself that there was, uh, there was no real hope in his life. And that he could not do anything to change that fact. No, no, to change the fact that there was no real hope in his life. He convinced himself there's no hope. And there's nothing I can do to give me any hope or anybody else. No, no, it's like he was saying, listen to me now. If you really understood everything that I've faced in my life, and if you understand all of the pain of losing everything you have, and then having your wife even go against you, you'd have a better understanding of why I feel as though that it would have been better if I'd have never been born. Remember, he's talking to this friend of his that was supposed to be comforting him and really just reproved him and, and, and accused him. And man, he's sitting there, he's bewildered. And it's like he's saying, you guys don't even have a clue. You, you don't understand. 
there's a reason for me complaining like this. Don't you get it? I mean, he, 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 is, he is telling him, Job was hoping, he was really hoping, and I do believe this, he was hoping to get these guys to understand. And with all that he had been through, he felt as though his response was totally warranted. If you could just stand in my shoes. If you could feel what I'm going through. But he didn't stop there. Because then he went on and uh, there came a rebuke for his friend's uh, Eliphaz's advice. Look at verse number 14 there. It says, to him that is afflicted, pity. Uh, to him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend. But he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. He's going, you guys don't even understand. And man, I'm just seeking for a little pity. I'm just seeking for a little empathy, a little sympathy. I'm, I, I, I just wanted some help. And uh, that's not what you guys have brought. The counsel that had been offered up was offered without any sympathy for Job's situation whatsoever. They just wanted to be accusatory. You wicked sinner, Job. Just go ahead and tell us. No, no, they were after the dirt. Just go ahead and tell us what you've been doing, Job. Yeah, just go ahead and tell us. We know you're wicked. We know that this came because of what you're doing. No, no, no pity had been shown whatsoever. And their friendship to him had proven to be, and it's terrible, but their friendship to him had proven to be useless. Come on, come on, come on. Get this picture of your story. He's lost everything, even his health. His wife has told him, you ought to just curse God and die. He's sitting on a pile of ashes with a piece of broken pottery scraping boils off of his body. He doesn't even know what to say. His friends come, these three friends come to supposedly comfort him. They sit there for a week in silence, just being there. In respect of Job just not wanting to say anything and sit there. And then finally, when, he, when Job opens up his mouth, are you getting this? When Job opens up his mouth and pours out his heart to his friends, and then they just come back with rebuke and reproof and accusations. I mean, there wasn't any comfort. There wasn't any support whatsoever. And how Job went on, it really goes to show just how, uh, just how deeply he, just how, just how he felt, just how deeply he felt let down by these friends. They were compared, they were compared to a shallow creek that couldn't be relied on for a drink of water. No, 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 look at verse number 15 there. It says, my brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook. And as the streams of brook that pass away, which are blackest by reason of the ice, and wherein the snow is hid, what time they wax warm, they vanish. When it's hot, they're consumed out of their place. The paths of their way are turned aside. They go to nothing in Paris. The troops of Tima looked, and the companies of Sheba waited for them. And they were confounded because they had hope. They came thither and were ashamed. Here's what he's saying. They're compared to this shallow creek. 
that could not be relied upon to get a drink of water in the winter time because it was iced over and it was blackish is what he says, or they couldn't depend it on in the summertime because of the heat would just dry it all up. The armies came. They were hoping to quench their thirst. They found no relief whatsoever. He said, you guys are just like that. I had great hope that you would say something good. I had great hope that you would give me some comfort, some encouragement here, but uh, you've showed yourself uh, not to be so. Okay, some of you are thinking, well, Job, he's pretty wound up, ain't he? I believe I would be. I believe I would be. No, 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 because Job knows, hey, this isn't about sin in my life. And, and, and besides that, Job hadn't asked for any help. <laughs> and so far, they've done a real good job not supplying any help, hadn't they? He didn't ask for it. No, 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 we, go on, we can go on with this. Verse number 22. Uh, yes, verse number, verse number 22. Uh, did I say, bring it unto me? Did I say, bring unto me? Or, or give a reward for me of your substance? Or deliver me from the enemy's hand? Or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? Great friends here. It's not like I asked for anything and then you come and do this. They had accused him of being in sin, but had done, they had done so without any evidence whatsoever. And so he goes on, verse number 24, Teach me. Come on, he's telling them, teach me and I'll hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I've erred. Come on, he's saying, if I've done wrong, just go ahead and show me how. Show me what it's all about. You guys know something I don't know? Oh yeah, go ahead, just tell me all about it. Verse 25, how forcible are right words, but what does your arguing reprove? Do you imagine to, to reprove words in the speeches of one that is desperate, which are as wind? Yea, ye... Overwhelm the followers and you dig a pit for your friend. Oh, no, quite a statement. Come on. Oh, you came to help me and you just dig a pit for your friend. That's a real nice thing, isn't it? Now, therefore, be content. Look upon me. For it's evident unto you, I lie. Return, I pray you. Let it not be iniquity. Yea, return again. My righteousness is in it. Is there, is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? He said, if I have sinned, then you need to show me what I did wrong. You're so convinced I did something, then you need to show me what I did. And if, you, if, you, if, if they truly had something that they could prove, they needed to just come right out and say it. Just say it. Go ahead. I don't know about you, but I'm a head-on type guy. Man, just tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's going on. We can deal with it from that time. Don't beat around the bush. That's what he's telling these guys. Don't beat around the bush. If you know something, just go ahead and do it. And then he goes ahead and declares his innocence. He says, hey, just go ahead and take a real good look at my life because if I am lying to you, then you should be able to see it in my face. If I'm lying to you, you ought, you ought to be able to, uh, when I'm telling you these things, you ought to just be able to see it. Look, look, they, they had never, um, they had never, there had never 
to that point in Job's life, come on brain, there had never been any accusations of him lying in the past. Oh Job, you got to watch him. You know, you go to deal with Job, buy a cow or something from him, you got to watch Job because he, he can be a real liar. He'll say the, the cow's in good shape and all, it's all in good shape. No, 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 there had been never any accusations whatsoever in the past. And not even the things that he has gone through now was going to change the way that he had lived it all. He said, this isn't going to change me. I'm going to keep going the same way. And, 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 and it's not going to make me bring it. It's not going to make this, come on brain. It's not going to bring me to a place that I'll even lie to you. What he told his friends. I'm not going to lie to you. Why should I sit here and lie to you? Well, he really went off on those guys. He did. Now, we have to remember this. We have to remember this. He hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't done a thing wrong. So he began to reflect on where he now was. His friend Eliphaz had taken a shot. He'd taken a shot at making sense of Job's suffering. But he terribly missed the mark. What he said was not true whatsoever. So here in chapter number 7, Job shares with them his thoughts about the matter. Let me tell you what I think about this. And in his own mind, he was convinced that life had been very unfair to him. Oh, think about this with me now. Let's, I don't want to keep backing up, but think about this with me for just a second. Even God said that He was a good man, righteous, perfect, upright. Even God said that about Him. Job, although he wasn't perfectly sinless, we know that because he was a man, he had lived a right life. He had done the right things. He had an altar. He spent time at it. He made sacrifice for his children just in case they had it. I mean, he was doing everything he could to live his life the way that he should be living his life. And then tragedy struck. This never came out of his mouth, but I mean, pretty much it's like... um, I mean, he never came out of his mouth this way, but pretty much it's like, this isn't fair. I'm living the life I'm supposed to live, and this happens, that don't make sense to me. Come on, kind of the way we looked at it, the very first message in, in, in Job, remember, is kind of like, man, man, no, 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 you're living the life, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, you're living the life, you're doing all the things, you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're doing all these things. No, 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 I'm not talking about putting on some facade to where everybody thinks you're doing all these things, but you're really living a, a, the life the best you can for the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in the precepts of the Bible, doing what is right, something terrible happens and it's like, well, that's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen to me. I mean, I'm doing everything God wants me to. But we have to go back to that, to that thought that we don't always know what's going to happen. We don't always know why things happen. We don't know why. 
Come on, sometimes we just have to accept that. That we don't know why. And may not know why. Until we get to heaven. Why did this happen to me? I'm, I'm trying my best. And he was pretty convinced that life had just been unfair. Well, what makes you think that, preacher? Well, it was like he's feeling like a slave. He's, he's feeling like somebody that had no hope uh, of having any rest from hard labor. Look at chapter 7, verse number 1. He says this, Is there not an appointed time uh, to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as a hireling looketh for the reward of his work? So am I made to possess months of vanity and Wearisome nights are appointed to me? When I lie down, I say, When shall I rise? And the night be gone, and I am full of tossings to and fro from unto the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Time's flying by. But, but Job still finds no relief from his heartache. Look at verse number 7. Stay with me here. Verse 7. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall see no good. The high of him that hath seen me shall see me, see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me and I am not. As the cloud is consumed and vanishes away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. So with everything that had been dished out to him, Job had no problem pouring out his grief. He had no problem pouring out his complaints. I mean, for, for, for all that he had been through, he, he, had, he had no problem with all of that. In fact, verse 11 says this, Therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my, anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. I want to stop here for just a second. Because in the book of Job, it says that in everything that Job went through, that he did not sin with his lips. He did not sin with his mouth. He didn't sin. Well, he's griping about all this stuff. Oh, well, wait a He's been falsely accused. He's representing himself truly. Well, you know, he probably could have done it with a little more. Oh, stop He's lost all that he has. He's sitting in a pile of ashes. He's scraping boils off of his body. You know, I just don't see him being real um, comfortable. His wife, his life's partner, has told him to just curse God and die. At this point, I just can't imagine him being like, oh, well, you know, God knows what's going on. Come on. We are flesh and blood. 
We do have emotions. We do have feelings. And let me just say that with saying this. God knows what we're going through at any given time that we're going through it. He knows. He understands our feelings. He understands our emotions. He understands if we have grief and anguish. He understands everything that we go through. Come on. He, under, he, understands, if, he understands when we don't understand. He understands that we don't understand. And that we might question Him. Well, I, we're not supposed to question God. That's not true. We can question God just as long as we're satisfied with the answers He gives us. And sometimes He doesn't answer. But even when He doesn't answer, we can trust Him completely. Come on, because God is faithful. Always, no matter what, God is faithful. And He knows why we're going through what we're going through. He knows what the end of it will be. He, He knows why He allows these things. And I can promise you this, He does not allow something like that to happen to try to run us off from Him. He's not trying to push us away when things like that happen. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Well, preacher, wouldn't you like to know when things like that happen in your life, when terrible things like happen, wouldn't you like to know why and what the cause is behind it? Well, absolutely so. But it doesn't always happen. And I'm very thankful I've never gone through anything as tragic as that. I'm very, very thankful, very thankful. But I'm telling you, the trials that we have gone through, and we've just tried real hard to trust God through those, when, when, when things have come to pass, we may, not understand, we may not understand everything, but we know that God can get the glory from it. If we just continue to do what God would have us to do. Just stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. God is faithful. Let's be faithful to Him. It it seemed to him that God was looking um, at him as some sort of a threat. That that, that God needed to keep uh, uh, keep a watchful eye on. No, it seemed to Job that way. No, it wasn't that way, but it seemed to Job that way. That that God was just looking at him like there was going to be some kind of a threat. Look at verse number 12. Am I a sea or a whale that thou settest watch over me? Why are you watching me? I'm not any threat to you, God. He had a hard time believing that God had found such fault in him. He had a hard time believing that God had found such fault in him that would warrant such punishment unless God had examined his life under a very powerful magnifying glass. Verse number 17 there. It says, What is man that that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him, and try him every moment? You think that Job was feeling tried? You think that Job's under a little pressure? And it was confusing to him. It was so very confusing to him that God seemed to to, uh, be holding out the relief that he was expecting to receive. I'm looking for some relief, God. Look at verse 13. Is that right? No, no, no. 
Yes, look at verse 13. It says, When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint. Then thou scarce me with dreams, and terrifies me with visions, so that my soul chooseth, chooseth strangling and, and death rather than my life. I loathe it. I would not live it. I would not live always. Let me alone, for my days are vanity. Why aren't you why aren't you doing something for me, God? I'm seeking you. I, 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 I have I have served you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm needing answers from you. And and then he said this. Look at verse number. Uh, look at verse number twenty. Let me see. Look at verse 19. How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me uh, alone till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression, and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. So here's what he says. Here's what he says. He said, if my sin has been so bad, God, that you are not going to forgive me, I don't understand why you don't just go ahead and let me die. I wouldn't even begin to dare try to imagine how many people are sitting around setting in our country tonight with some horrible hardship and just thinking in their own mind Mercy, I don't even want to live anymore. Well, preacher, I know there's a lot of lost people probably. Let's stop right there for a second. I we know of several Christian friends. That it ended up, have ended up taking their own life because they just could not handle what was going on. Now let me say this: it's never, ever right to take your own life. Never. God 
God numbered your days and He doesn't need you to help Him. But I'm telling you, anguish, pain, trials can push us to the edge, can't they? Come on, I know you read the news. I know you read the papers. And when 10-year-old kids start taking their own lives, which is happening way too much around our country today, young people, It should just make us understand the big need to try to get people to Christ and to try to do our best to teach them to trust God no matter what. We bust in a lot of kids from broken homes, tortured families. I'm ready to start bringing them back in again. just as soon as we can because they need the hope that the Lord has to offer. But I'm here to tell you tonight that if we don't manifest that hope in our own life, no, we're not close enough to God that we can't just hang on to what promises we have. How are we ever going to help someone else? Or, if we have a judgmental spirit and attitude toward those that aren't doing so well, how are we ever going to help? If we're not ready to uh, give words of comfort to those that are going through trials and troubles and tribulations, Job had hoped for the comfort, he had hoped for comfort from his friends. But to this point, he had received only correction, accusations, even though he needed answers. He felt misunderstood, he felt betrayed, and he felt confused. I mean, basically, it's like after Eliphaz's speech to him, he just wanted to look at him and go, What? You got to be kidding me. So many times when we're suffering, we wonder what we did to deserve such things in our life. Why is this happening to me? Why did this go on in my life? And if people like that are looking to God for the help they are needing, and it doesn't come, many times they'll question God as to why He's not helping like they've asked Him to do. Why aren't you helping God? I ask you to help. Where you at? Why don't you do something?
And it's times like that. Please listen, I'm, I'm done. I'll write it done. It, it's times like that that the support and the comfort of a true friend, a true friend, can be a great blessing. So what can we take away from the passage tonight? Well, one thing, get this, you you young people get this, everybody needs, but just get this. One thing we can take away from this passage of Scripture tonight is that what we say to others has the ability to help or to hurt. Uh, the words that come out of our mouth. They have the ability to either help or hurt. We need to be mindful. We need to be prayerful about what we might say to someone. For those that are going through hard trials in their life, no matter the cause, please listen to me, <clears throat> for those that go through hard times like that, tragedies such that, no, no matter the cause, they need to hear truth spoken, spoken with much love and much grace. They don't need us to try to figure out why they're going through what they're going through. They don't need us to try to make accusations toward them that, well, if they would have just done that and they would have done that, if they would have just, no, 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 no. People at that time, they need a true friend. They need to be reminded of the gospel. Because it truly is the gospel that gives meaning to whatever suffering anyone might go through. Because if we're suffering for sin that is in our lives, if we're really suffering for sin that is in our lives, the, go- uh, the gospel promises forgiveness. Somebody say amen. And, and if, we're, if we're living uprightly and tragedy does strike like that, suffering comes at times like that. The, go- the uh, gospel offers us comfort the comfort of a suffering Savior. No, the one we're supposed to be following every day. The one that tells us to pick up, his, pick up our cross and follow Him. And if we're following Him, no, 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 if we're, if we're following Him, I'm talking about somebody that is living uprightly and tragedy comes anyway. I mean, if we are following Him, we're sharing the sufferings of the cross. Because God does not unjustly judge anybody. And He does not allow anything to happen in our lives that He doesn't know what's going on. And sometimes the things that we go through that we are allowed to go through by God are those things that will help us to be a help to somebody else down the road. 
when you can sit down with somebody else and say, well, I tell you, we've been through some times like that. Let me show you what God gave me when I went through that. Let me share with you how God helped me when those things went on in my life. Because God does want to use us. And sometimes He just has to prepare us to be used. Because He does know the future. He does know what we're facing and He does know how we can be a blessing to others. We are partners with God. Oh, you're in here saved by the grace of God? We are partners with God. And we are left here to show this world the power of God's redeeming grace and sustaining grace. Both. Truly. Because God is faithful. <clears throat> you know, the best thing that we can do is to walk uprightly. Fear God. Skew evil. Live the way God wants us to live. Somebody say amen. Yeah. That way when things happen in our life, we can just know that God's at work for some reason. And we can trust Him. And no matter what others might say about it, we can just continue to trust God. Know that God's working it all out for His purpose. For certain. And if somebody does accuse us of something, we can just kind of look at them and go, what? No, let me tell you. I've been doing what God wants me to do. He's going to see me through this. I've read the book of Job before. Amen. Yeah. Preacher, I just don't understand. Everything that people go through, good people going through bad things, I, I don't understand. And I don't under, I, there's just so much I don't understand. Well, that's a big club. There is a lot that I don't understand. A whole lot that I don't understand. But I do know one thing for sure. God is faithful, and He is there for us, and we can find comfort. If we can't ever find comfort from anybody else, we can find comfort in Him. But let's be the kind of Christian friend that if something, begin, if something happens in someone's life, that we can go to them with words of comfort. Be there for them. We're ever living in a day and time where people needed real good godly friends. It's today. Why is God letting all this happen in the world? I don't know. He's pulling His plan together. I know that. And we can trust Him. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to come come to know Christ as your Savior. Come on. Share the Gospel. Tell them about Jesus. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Bible. Boy, as I read these chapters in Job, and I try to imagine where he was and his emotions and feelings, 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how he maintained as well as he did. But I'm thankful that you know that we are human and I'm thankful that you understand when things happen in our life, Lord, that we don't always necessarily respond well. But then looking at this from a different view, a view that his friends didn't have and Job didn't have, we do see a need that we be a different kind of friend than what Job had. We'd be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That we'd be a friend that would be there for people. That we'd have words of comfort and love and grace. Father, that we would be in tune with You. and Lord, that we would take whatever You've taught us over the years and use it to be a blessing to somebody else. I have no idea about all the needs in this auditorium. I have no idea what trial someone might be going through. Lord, I just pray as we open up the altar for just a few minutes, folks need to come talk to you about something in their own life or something for someone else. I pray your will would be done in it all. Thank you for the book of Job. Thank you for helping us to be what we need to be for you. We pray your will would be done in these next few minutes. We ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The altar is open. Some have come. Piano's going to play whatever God wants you to do. We'll not take long. I'm not going to give any reason. Try to beg you down the aisle, but you need to come tonight. Maybe just ask God for grace, hope, direction, just the wherewithal to stand. Whatever God would have you to do. We'll take a few minutes. Brother Dan's going to sing a verse, and we'll go on. Search me, O God.